You get more out of life when you go out to a movie. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Hello, welcome once again to Cinema a la Carte, the podcast, a podcast that's part of the Dark Discussions News Network. I am one of your co-hosts, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in the U.S. of A., and with me in the state of Michigan. This is Eric. Eric, how are you, sir? I am well. Excellent. And in the state of New York? Hi, this is Mike. Mike, how are you, sir? Uh, I ain't at liberty to divulge that information. <laughs> indeed, indeed. So, uh, Eric, what is this podcast? Why are we? Why do we do this? We do this podcast because you don't understand what dark discussions is supposed to be about. <laughs> no, this podcast started because Phil and I would get into continuous disagreements. Uh, over which movies were appropriate for dark discussions and which ones were not. So, as a compromise, we decided to do this spinoff podcast where we discuss movies that are not necessarily uh, appropriate for the dark discussions umbrella. Um, so, uh, we've done some movies outside that circle, uh, like the Pixar movie Inside or not yeah Inside Out, Inside Out, um, and Hostiles and The Edge and Stalet and uh flash gordon um so we just use this uh as a little additional area to talk about some movies that we might not otherwise cover under dark discussions indeed indeed and so uh we have uh two episodes in the queue to go this will be the third one to be in the queue all should be released uh soon enough and it's which you'll know because uh, you will be hearing this when he says when you when, when it's released that is true. That is true. Um, so, uh, folks, we are curious. March 28th. I'm sorry. 2022. That, that is correct. For some of our listeners like Pam, who are always curious when we record these episodes, because sometimes they're not released the week or the day after. The or the record. year. Or the year. And that's true, too. <laughs> yes, we just re- released uh, Blood Red Sky, which was from seven months ago. That was good. Indeed, indeed. But uh, for folks who are curious, uh, we are part of the Dark Discussions News Network, which is www.darkdiscussions.com, which is a website that has multiple things, including many different podcasts, as well as the original podcast, Dark Discussions Podcast, which started all 11 years ago. Uh, Also, this podcast can be found there among uh, the new Halo podcast called Cortana's Communiques, the Halo podcast, which is about the Paramount Plus TV show, among other things as well. Uh, Eric, what else can people find on that website? Well, they can find a link to our Patreon page, 
Patreon is a service that allows you to contribute financially to your online artists like us. Uh, producing the shows is not free. Uh, we have to pay for things like movie rentals and web service and uh, hosting and equipment and all that good stuff. So if you'd like to help offset the cost of producing these shows, that's how you can do it. You can go to patreon.com slash dark discussion or just click on the P badge. Then I got to stop saying that Click on the Patreon symbol on any page of dark discussions.com. Uh, we appreciate any and all contributions. Indeed, indeed. And uh, thank you for, for those contributions. Also, we do have a email, which is darkdiscussions at AOL.com, which is the email for the entire network. And you can email us here, and we will read your part, uh, your email on the podcast. So uh, we appreciate it if you do. And you also can press contact us on the menu on darkdiscussions.com website, which will open up a box, and you can fill it out, and it will send an email as well. Uh, Call again, now. Our operators are waiting to take your call. You can hear the calls coming in the background. Yeah, I was hoping you would. It was a pain in the ass. <laughs> but these things do happen. Anyway, um, I guess uh, that's pretty much the, the house cleaning. So I guess we can probably get into our topic tonight. And uh, Erica, what are we going to discuss? Uh, tonight, we're going to be talking about a movie from 2017 called Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Hey, you. What the hell is this? Advertising, I guess. I could arrest you right now if I wanted to. Before you do that, how about you go have yourself a look at that first billboard over there? So, Mildred Hayes, why did you put up these billboards? My daughter Angela was murdered seven months ago. It seems to me the police department is too busy torturing black folks and eating Krispy Kremes to solve actual crime. Dixon, I'm in the middle of my goddamn Easter dinner. Sorry, kids. I know, Chief, but I think we got kind of a problem. Sunshine beating on the good. Time. I'd do anything to catch your daughter's killer. I don't think those billboards is very fair. Time it took you to get out here whining like a bitch, Willoughby. Some other poor girl's probably out there being butchered right now. I saw you on TV the other day. Oh yeah? Yeah, you look good. I mean, you came across really good. I think I got one to get my pants. Father Montgomery. I'm sorry about Angel. You ain't trying to make me believe in reincarnation or something, are you? Because you're pretty, but you ain't her. But the town is dead set against these billboards. You know who threw that can? What can? How about you, sweetheart? Uh, no, I, I didn't really... <gasps> Took a poll, did you, Father? The more you keep a case in the public eye, the better your chances are getting it solved. And when I see the What's happening with the billboard lady? This anger, man. It just begets greater anger. In three, two, one. And as sad as the spectacle of these billboards might be, go, go. this reporter, for once, hopes this finally puts an end to the strange saga of the three billboards outside. It doesn't put an end to anything. This is just a start. Why don't you put that on your Good Morning Missouri Wake Up broadcast, bitch? That's right. Three billboards.
billboards from outside or three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Actually, maybe our newest film out of all the films we've done. Maybe, maybe this one or maybe Hostiles. But either I was way, say, uh, I think Hostiles was 2018, but it doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah. No, no, I was just trying to throw some unnecessary trivia that meant absolutely nothing. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, this film is directed by Irish director Martin McDonough. Uh, he has another film in post-production now that is to be determined. Release date, film stars Francis McDormand, Woody Harrelson, and Sam Rockwell. But then it has a, a supporting cast, uh, including Australian actress Abby Carnish, uh, Zella. Lico Ivanek, uh, Peter Dinklage, Samara Weaving, John Hawkins, um, and uh, Locus Hedges, among other folk. Um, the film uh, was uh, nominated for multiple awards and uh, many award ceremonies, and um, is considered uh, by a lot of folks as one of the best films of that year, 2017, when it did come out out um and some may even say it's one of the better uh films of recent memory if not in film history depending on your perspective yeah, uh the film almost half as many academy awards as dune did then just throwing that movie? out there as which movie <laughs> dune yes yes uh, that is true get, get that I, movie's I name out of your fucking mouth <laughs> Uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't specifically name any specific uh, award ceremonies because they all suck. Um, <laughs> so I just mentioned that it was it had some some uh, note from award ceremonies. Uh, the film was uh, considered a crime drama uh, based off of what I have here. So I guess we can get into uh, how we heard about this film and what we thought about it. And I guess I'll start since this is my yeah, this topic. This is your pick, dude. Yeah, yeah. So basically, as we we do, we go around Eric to Mike to Phil, then Eric to Mike and Phil alphabetically by first name. So Eric will be choosing the next film. Oh, but uh, yes, yes. But uh, this film here, I chose. Um, I had a big debate of about twenty or so different films I, I thought of, and and I finally <laughs> chose yes, this one. And Eric kind of slapped me down, saying, "Stop." texted me just choose a damn film like five so, days in a row he's like maybe i'll choose this or maybe this or maybe this i'm already in that place because i thought i was going next for some reason um but know what i didn't do text anybody right it's yes. gonna be my fucking decision to make so and i'll figure out what i'm gonna annoy you all bathroom. with Anyway, anyway, so, uh, yes, I chose this film, and the reason I chose this film was um, for a number of reasons. Uh, first off, this is the type of, this is a true Phil film. This is the type of films that I used to watch continuously back in the 90s and the early, in, in the 2000s, uh, before I did the podcasts and before I switched over to the Pulp Fiction-y type films. And uh, these are the type of films I would still watch today when and if they do pop up, because uh, um, if, if you ask me, they're very rare now. Uh, cinema just isn't as good as it used to be when it comes to regular dramas such as this film, in my opinion. It's just my opinion. Well, um, I, I would film, modify your statement slightly to say they don't show up in theaters like they used to. Yeah. Because a bunch of them are still getting made and slapped onto streaming services, but they save the theater space for the 50,000 superhero movies that come out every year. 
that, that's fair too, yeah. Uh, so uh, this film here, um, yeah, I absolutely love this film. It's a, it's a great film. It's a sad film. It has a weird message as well, but it, it makes sense. Um, the film is fantastically acted, fantastically directed, fantastically written. Um, it's just another reason why I uh, dislike that uh uh, award ceremony that Eric mentioned that I will refuse that, to speak of. You, you mean that, um, the, that ceremony that awarded this film? Uh, it, it, it did not. It, it did. It got a couple of awards, but, but it did not win the best picture now. Well, but that, no. but, no, and it didn't win best screenplay either, which it should have as well, but, but it got best, way, best actress and best supporting actor, which is nothing to sniff at. And both of which I think were, well, certainly best actress was deserved. And, and also, the uh, director was not nominated, which is quite odd, as as last night's uh, best picture, the director was not nominated either, which is kind of quite yeah, odd. So whole, I'll agree with that. Well, but yeah, uh, that's that's the problem because this is a thing that's been going on forever, where there was almost always a movie that got five, got a nominee, got a nomination, and one that didn't have a director nomination. But then they decided <laughs> no, wait, wait, wait. to make. Sorry, Mike, we we, we, we we launched you into a tangent. Phil's trying to talk about his thoughts. Uh, yeah, we, 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 I understand. But then they went to ten stuff. films, and so that by default, five films are going to get there, get nominated without their director. Yes, fair enough. That's math. Um, yes, so. Yes. So uh, this film here, um, no matter, no matter uh, awards or not, um, it's just a great film. Um, Francis McDormand was uh, absolutely phenomenal. It's, it's the reason, this, this film is just one of a number of films that she's done that uh, makes her my second favorite actress in the modern era after Emily Blunt. Um, Martin McDonough, uh, someone I don't know much about, uh, was absolutely brilliant in his uh, screenplay as well as his direction. Uh, the casting was phenomenal. Sam Rockwell uh, was absolutely fantastic. Woody Harrelson, who was also nominated for multiple awards uh, for the film, was, was absolutely fantastic. Um, the story is true uh, flyover country, Midwestern, all Americana, um, stuff I love. And yeah, big thumbs up for me. Uh, let's go with you, Mike. Yeah, this is a film I want to watch. I am a I really like Frances McDormand a lot. She's one of my favorite actresses. Um that she's married to is it it's Joel Cohen. Um one of the two, yeah. I forget. Uh that. one of the brothers. I love the Cohen brothers and she's in a lot of their stuff, so it naturally kind of overlaps there because of it. Uh, uh but I love her outside of some of that stuff also. So um and you know, you had you know, the Dink and Woody Harrelson and Sam Rockwell, and I was fans of those. So, yeah, I was interested in this film. I just hadn't gotten around to watching it, and I'm glad you picked it because it was a thing for me to watch. Um, for some reason, I don't remember why, when it came out, someone was, like, just pushing it so hard, it kind of turned me off for a while. Hmm. Um, I don't know. Remember what what was. No idea. <laughs> uh, but, no, I think this is a film. It is... It really it's set up to lean into cliches and avoids them. It presents, I think, the the thing it does best is writing the character and portraying the characters uh, to make them rich and nuanced. Um, like the Sam Rockwell character, very easily could have been uh, the cliched Southern 
racist redneck cop. And I think they avoid Western because it takes place in the West. And and they avoid that. Um was well, is it Missouri wasn't Missouri below the Mason Dixon? Uh it was not part of the Confederacy, so it oh, was it? Okay, I it was like it was like Maryland, where it was like like a border state. Okay, so yeah, but they could very my point is they very easily could have made them the generic racist cop, and at the beginning of the film, it looks like that's where they're going, and they don't. Uh, they very easily could have made Woody Harrelson the hard ass police chief. They don't, um, and similarly, they could have made um, Francis McDormand the. Uh, the the righteous always right, you know, crusader woman, and they avoid that too. There's certainly elements of all those things in there. They could have gone there, and they tease it a little bit, but they really, really flesh out these characters very, very well. Um, you know, the, the the husband I think they do a great job with Peter Dinklage. I think they do a great job with, uh, even though he has a very small role in the film. Um. But yeah, I think it, it just and it doesn't give easy, comfortable answers, which I like a lot. Um, and it does have kind of an ambiguous ending, although I think if you have half a brain, you can kind of figure out where it's going to go. They, they do give you a pretty strong signal with that. So, yeah, I, I give it a very, very high recommend. In fact, I recommended uh, my mother uh, to try to check it out because uh, she's recently kind of got online with streaming shows and things like that. So I recommended that to her today. All right, sounds good. Uh, let's go with you, uh, Eric. I don't remember how I originally heard about this movie, um, but I saw it when it was in theaters, and I loved it. Um, and I think I even, when I went and visited the folks in Houston that year, um, I made my dad and my brothers go see it as well. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm a fan of this movie. Um, uh, my thoughts after rewatching it today were almost precisely what Mike just said. Uh, so he said it very well, basically, because I was I was so focused on my initial few viewings with the performances and some of the line deliveries, which there are some classic line deliveries in this movie um, that I wasn't really looking for any thematic content. Um, but I, I really think that one of the points of this movie is that um nobody's all good and nobody's all bad. Like Mike was just talking about. Um, nobody in this movie is perfect. Um, and everybody has shades of gray, which I really enjoy because that's like real life. Uh, <laughs> nobody's perfectly good and nobody's perfectly bad. Uh, all of us are somewhere in between. Some of us get pretty close to, to one extreme or the other, but really nobody's all the way on one end or the other. Um, so I enjoyed that. Uh, the acting is phenomenal. Uh, there's a main musical theme for this movie that I really enjoy. I noticed it while I was watching today. Um, so yeah, this is this is a great movie, and if you're into dramas, you should definitely check it out. All right, sounds good. Uh, so it appears that we all like the film. Um, let's do, uh, uh, put in a uh, subtext to my viewing experience. Yeah. I've, I've seen the film, um, probably way too many times, um, to the point where my wife thought I was insane Wait. and Eric thought I was insane. And we, we thought that anyway, cause you don't ever do anything piecemeal. <laughs> uh, 
You 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 would you were like watching this on repeat, I think, at one point. <laughs> yes. Phil, yes, same, I, Phil may be a little bit out there sometimes, but I'll give him credit for when he does something he commits. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yes, I do. Yes. He doesn't so, um, about it being half-assed. He watches it for a week straight. I do. I do. I do. Yes. Uh, all right. So, Eric, do we have a IMDb or wiki? Wiki, wiki. Uh, a mother personally challenges the local authorities to solve her daughter's murder when they failed to catch the culprit. All right, that doesn't tell too much, but it, it's it's enough. Uh, a, we do a, learn without a brief, accurate names. summary, but the movie's really so much more than that. Indeed, indeed, and the crime of the murder, uh, which isn't a spoiler because it, it says it pretty much within a minute or two into the film. Uh, it was a rape and murder, mm-hmm. unfortunately. And, uh, yeah, so, and then the backstory behind it uh, is, uh, is unfortunate. But we'll, we'll get into all that good stuff. Uh, or Well, not good stuff, but you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> so um, what we do here on Cinema à la carte, well, what we do here on Cinema à la carte for folks who are new to the podcast or or are familiar with it, or our other podcasts, is that generally uh, the podcast myself, Eric, and Mike do, uh, we talk general stuff at first, and so, you know, our general review is we just did, and then just some general stuff we'll talk about, but then we go into spoilers, because on the Dark Discussions News Network, that the podcast that we do, uh, including this one here, Cinema à la carte, we critique and dissect as well as review so uh, we talk about everything and anything, uh, specifics and whatnot. Uh, so the film will be spoiled, but at that point we will throw up a spoiler alert. So what's uh, uh, I did want to the... point out, by the way, just because I know there are some people, you know, where obviously that, that when you have a thing that deals with the crime of rape um, is very sensitive to certain people and they don't want to watch it. And the the crime in this case, the rape in this case, I don't think is ever shown on screen. It is something that has happened eight months in the past when the film starts. Uh, so while it's certainly a, a theme in the show, if watching something like that is a turnoff for you, uh, don't worry, you won't be seeing it. Yes, the crime is not reenacted in the movie. Right. Or flashback to or. Yeah, none of that. It's just graphically talk. described. Nothing. Mm-hmm. We, we know what happens and they try. They, they trust the audience enough to know that it happened. Yep. Very good. Um, all right, so uh, I, I didn't think I would start here, but I'll, I'll start here to just get the topic rolling because Eric did mention uh, something about how we're all gray in a sense. But I want to throw out that there were two characters I felt that weren't gray and were fairly uh, white, if, if if we do the spectrum of white to black, uh, the which is the, the historical way of doing it. Doing it that white is good and black is bad um, for colors because darkness versus the light. Um, <laughs> that's the reason why I'm being so specific because people are insane today and they suck. But let's get into um, and, and what kind yeah. of people suck there, Phil? Just 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 check uh, uh, all of them, especially, okay. especially the, the 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 people on social media. Um, so get them to say it. We can't clip that. Yes. Uh, so. Penelope, but also more importantly, in my opinion, Red Welby, I feel more white 
and there is little gray in their well, behavior. No, he's just kind of there. I, I, I don't think we really get much on her other well, than she's a little yeah, bit of a ditz. Yeah, I, I don't think. Now, they add character, right? Penelope is one, and is it Pam is the, the secretary in the yeah. Uh, yeah, Pam. in the advertising shop? They have very small roles, but, again, a testament to how the, the film is, uh, also like with Sam Rockwell's mom, very small roles, but they're still characters, right? They're not just background pieces. They're really good. Um, I, I would argue that Red is – there is some shading with Red. I don't think we get enough one way or another. Like, you don't really learn a whole lot about – um, like Pen- about Penelope's uh, mainlining heroin or anything like that. You know, well, no, but I, I think we get a little more on him than we do on Pamela, uh, or not Pamela. Well, Pamela or uh, Penelope. Uh, and there, there is that scene where uh, he's been influenced, and he suddenly tries to pull some sure. shenanigans right. with uh, Mildred's contract. Right now, he's um, yeah, I was thinking that one too. He tries yeah. to pull some sh- shenanigans there. He doesn't exactly. It's not like he volunteers her the billboard for a good cause. You know, he's um, you know, he's charging her and ridiculous of some. A, well, she volunteers a ridiculous sum. She she yeah. it, she volunteers a ridiculous sum of money. That's true That's for something true. that he didn't even know he owned. <laughs> right. Uh, so look, I mean, I think if you're you're putting him on a spectrum, he is certainly more good than bad. He yeah. tries really hard, though, to not get on anybody's bad side. So while he doesn't necessarily, you know, he doesn't take a stand. He also doesn't necessarily cooperate with the people going after her. Uh, well, we, he does take do. he does take the fall, but he didn't have much of a choice in that one. We do also see later in the film that he is. Um... He's kind to somebody that he has no particular reason to be kind to. Oh, and so. and and I want to point out uh, on the negative end, he he's um a ginger. He's a ginger. He's a ginger. He's a yeah. ginger. You just it's just there in your face. You can't avoid seeing it. <laughs> it's there. It's like really, you got to cast one of those people. Oh, my God. Everywhere you go now, ginger here, ginger there. Stop putting it in my face. Wow. Fair enough. Mike. Fair enough. Mike. Well, you're, you're part of Irish. So, so yeah, you, no, you, so actually, you, he's, you, the, he's, the, uh, he's the ginger who, uh, for, for genre fans, who had been in Antiviral and in um, Byzantium. Yeah, mm. and also, he, um, he was also in uh, The Last Exorcism as well. He was the evil son. Right. Oh, so. Oh. Yeah, for for about a minute and a half, he was Hollywood's go-to ginger. That's true. Anyway, um, enough about the ginger. So, uh, just a quick heads up to explain what the film's about. Basically, as as we discuss, uh, Mildred Hayes, played by Frances McDormand, uh, is a single mom uh, with her son uh, Robbie. Uh, they had a a daughter um, who unfortunately has passed. Uh, due to a horrendous crime, uh, she believes, as Eric mentioned in the IMDb, that the police have not uh, done enough. Uh, the case has gone cold. And so she decides to uh, take these three dead bell- billboards on this road that's not as traveled much anymore 
uh, not too far from her house and rent them to basically call out the police chief uh, for lack of, uh, I guess, investigation. And so that's what starts the the whole film um, and the, the movie rolling because a crime that happened eight months ago, as Mike said, is now forefront once more. And then we learn about um, the locals, their attitude, their, their and in, including the, the family itself, where the ex-husband and the son, Robbie, uh, what they feel about the whole situation, uh, how, how a, a death of a child can uh, destroy a family. Um, and also, uh, unfortunately, um, the ex-husband uh, most likely having... Um, uh, violent tendencies uh, for spousal abuse. Uh, so, so there's a lot of, a lot well, of things we going see on. It, so uh, I don't think it's most likely. Um, I, I think it's, fair, it's clear. That, that, that's that's fair. That's absolutely fair. Mike. I'm just trying to be put, as politically correct as possible. Uh, I don't think you need to be politically correct to, to, to wife beaters. <laughs> um, that is true. Oh, that no. Is, they might stop listening. Uh, uh, they pay as much for this as anybody else does. (laughs) That's right. Nothing. Uh, so, um, so yeah, yeah. So, uh, that's, that's, uh, the general thing that starts it rolling. So we're, we're talking about Red Welby. Red Welby is the guy that owns the billboards. Uh, his, his secretary is Pamela and Penelope, uh, is the new girlfriend of, uh, Mildred's ex-husband, the wife beater, uh, Charles. Um, so that's that's all the characters that we were discussing. Um, so what do we want to talk about? There's, there's a lot of interesting characters that we can talk about, or, or, or in general, before spoilers. I don't I don't know. Um, I, I have to say that um, I love the, all the characters, so I can't really say I, I have a favorite, uh, but I do especially like um, um, Woody Harrelson's character as the, as the police chief or sheriff or whatever he is, um, because he's generally uh, a good guy, Bill Willoughby, family man. Uh, he's kind. He only sees good in people even when they act erratically and bad. So here's another guy that, that I feel is a little more white than, than gray. Um, he is legit when he says there's not much he can do. Um, unfortunately when there's crimes and this the DNA evidence is all that you have and that DNA evidence cannot be linked to anybody, even through the FBI and you know, databases, crime databases, there's not much he can do. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. You start out with this. And again, it's a, the billboards is an interesting hook, but we've seen this kind of set up before, right? The parent of the victim uh, is outraged that the police department is kind of pushing the crime under the rug and they're not really trying hard. In the bedroom. It reminds me of that. I don't think I've seen that one. And so you're waiting. Years ago. But anyway, yeah, so you're waiting to find out, like, oh, it was the it was the police chief who did it, it was the mayor's son who did it. Something weird ass shit like that, which is how it always goes. And and they really play it well, where and it's and truthfully, which is 
look, I'm sorry, it sucks. We have nothing to go on. You know, the DNA doesn't match anybody, right? There was no evidence at the crime scene we could really use. Um, and so if you happen to, say, you know, have a, uh, a predilection for liking evidence before charging people with crimes, hmm. um, yeah, it makes perfect sense. And uh, he's a cop who is unfortunately put in the bad position that pretty much every cop is at some point in their career of just having a shitty case. That's a horrible case that will never go punished or maybe never go punished through no fault, no obvious fault of their own. Um, I think, you know, there is a, there. He, he does do some things that are um, arguably a little questionable, but kind of walks that back a little bit because um, he has reason to be reminded of who he's dealing with. Right. And he's dealing with a, a human being and a grieving mother. Um you know, he's going through his own shit with his own family and his own life. That helps to make him uh, sympathetic. Uh, uh, I think that it was a really interesting choice to have her have that conversation with him about how they should just take the DNA of like every little boy the moment they're born and immediately put them in a registry. And then mm-hmm. when they do anything wrong, they should just kill them. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, they, liked they, his, I liked his response to that too, which was uh, there's a bunch of civil rights laws that don't make that possible <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah and but right. you and can and also understand sorry i was just gonna say that i think he's intentionally was that way because again as you said mike he's, he's dealing with a human being and he also probably knows that she was only being half serious anyway um because she's not a stupid person even if she's what we would call passionate well, no, but there's a there's a reason why judges and juries are supposed to be impartial, right? And you know the they allow the the victims or families of victims to speak at at a lot of trials, but they can't be the ones rendering the verdict. They yeah. can't be the ones coming up with the the laws. I, I I mean, Pam's you know my wife, one of her best friends died uh, on the uh, the plane over Lockerbie, Scotland, uh, and her friends' parents just like obsessed over that you know into their graves understandably but they're not the ones you'd want to put in charge necessarily of coming with with rules against you know airplane security and terrorism because they they're so haunted by that one thing they're going to get overzealous of it um and, and that's just yeah, just just how that is right and we we see that a lot you know I, we see this in trying to have if you try to have a conversation about covid you know it's very you have to be careful when it's somebody who you know has you know, maybe had someone who's who's died of COVID. You know, maybe like my father, like your father. Um, but some people are just—it's just a very sore and sensitive topic, and they're too close to it, maybe to sometimes step back. And at the same time, maybe people who haven't been through it, maybe to detach. It's a lot easier for me, having never a been raped or be know someone who was raped and murdered, that I was clear or not someone who was raped and murdered that I was close to, when while I knew them. Um, to make it personal. And so maybe that puts me on the opposite end, right? A little too detached right. to that. Well, and also, you know, as you mentioned, um, your, your wife's friends, parents, um, and, and not, not that, um, there was a crime that happened with, with my brother, but, um, my brother died of uh, leukemia at a young age. One of my brothers, and I, my other brother, and that can shatter an entire, um, family, 
um, hugely. So you're going to have a person like, I guess, uh, what was the character's name again? We get it here. Um, Mildred have um, a lot of things going on through her head, not just losing a child, which alone is a terrible thing. It can shatter a, a, a human being for life, but it also, uh, as you said, a horrendous crime that should never have happened, that justice is deserved. And so obviously she's never going to be impartial or even someone that would be a good source to to discuss laws or justice or whatever, because it, based off of the character shown in this film, she's the one that wants to, like you said, put DNA of every you know baby boy that's born in a database and just kill him on the spot. So if 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 they're they're found guilty of doing something in the future, so yeah, she she's definitely um, someone impassioned with um, rage. Uh, all you know the seven signs of grief or whatever it is. So and I assume that's where, where you were going at, right, Mike? Yeah, well, yeah, again, she's she's very much emotionally wrapped up in it um, yeah. and advocates doing things that, you know, I don't think necessarily would be a, make for a more just society, even if it would be more just in this particular circumstance. Right. Sure, sure. Yeah, and, and again, you know, you know, I mean, uh, though death penalties aren't, aren't truly uh, important aspect of this film, um, she brings up that question. If the individual is ever caught and would we as we find out later in the film if she knew who the person was would she seek justice any way she could um so we'll, we'll get in all that during the spoiler stuff um let's see so the sam rockwell character jason dixon there was a lot of backlash on this character from and i'm, I'm going to say it specifically because it, it was played on who it was that uh woke people uh on the internet and there was large articles written about it uh both pro and against the character where a lot of folks i guess that would be considered more progressive were disgusted with the character being portrayed as sympathetic in some cases while those i would guess would be considered more conservative uh felt that humanity his humanity was there and as a character um people can be redeemed um and a lot of their circumstances can be based off of their own upbringing or their own childhood or their own inner demons and so it was an interesting argument online about that um but i think it faded pretty pretty quickly the original uproar about the character, especially um, after the film faded out of the public eye. Well, I think one of the things is that it's, do you trust everything at face value? And I don't think you should in this film. I think he is introduced to you as the racist cop. Um, and we don't actually ever get much confirmation of that. His mom certainly seems to be. Um, but he supposedly beat up. Yeah, we a, get a little uh, confirmation. Well, he beat up a. He, he, he supposedly beat up a black man, black witness, suspect, something. 
beat up somebody who while, was while in custody. While in custody. While in custody, which makes him an asshole. You know, but we also see him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We also see uh, him teach a ginger how to fly. So. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, police brutality. Um, I don't know how, how extreme it is. Meaning, is it as common as as the news tries to make it out? Whether that's true or not, it does exist. And yes. So, you know, that's why, um, you know, and we've had this argument before about when Jeffrey Dahmer was murdered in jail. And I've always felt that was disgusting because of the type of criminal he was. He should have not been in the general population, even if he is a scumbag and deserved a just punishment. But it was probably intentionally he was let out in the general public to be killed. So obviously and, what – yeah. So, the character and I'm also not going to share any tears for him either. Well, of course. Um, but but I, I can have discuss for what happened. But Dixon, unfortunately, did something bad. So I think Eric is right. Again, they don't show it. They only talk about it. Well, in, but anyway, get you huge, we get a huge hint at the very beginning of the movie uh, when he first discovers the billboards and he's talking to the black man who's putting up the billboards and that guy says, don't I know you from somewhere? <laughs> and, and Dixon says, I don't know. Do you? And, he, and the guy says, yeah, I do. And he spits on the ground. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Dixon knows what's going on. What, what, what that meant. Yeah. Well, again, we know that he, we, we don't get the details. We know that he, beat up a suspect in custody and that that suspect was black. We don't and, know that it will be. There's not that black. much evidence. <laughs> right. But we also know the guy's an idiot. Uh, no matter what Woody Harrelson says, the guy's mm-hmm. an idiot. Mm. He, he is, he is not bright. He is in way over his head. Uh, well, and I think that the, the discourse that Phil was talking about, is is frankly ridiculous on both sides, because um, <laughs> both both sides of the arguments are, are like that a person has to be one or the other. You got to be good or you got to be bad, um, and and bad people can't do a good thing and good people can't do a bad thing and that's all horseshit, because um, <laughs> it happens every day. Um, and yeah, so, I, so Dixon, this movie, uh, they started off introducing him as uh, kind of a scumbag, uh, a racist cop who abuses his authority. Uh, and from my interpretation of the movie, that's all true. And we see him uh, do it to Willoughby or not Willoughby. Sorry, um, Red. Um, we see him totally over, overreach his authority and, and any lines uh, of, of the law and justice and what he, and what he ends up doing with red. So uh, we see that that is a fact. He's an, a cop that abuses his authority, but then we also see him do good acts later in the movie. And both things can be true. I also think it's fair to say that, the character at the end of the movie isn't the character at the beginning of the movie. That's fair. So I think he could argue is he's an idiot. I don't think anyone would disagree with that. Um, and he's got an issue with temper. 
and is a bit of a bully. But um, he does change right. over the course of the film. Right. Yeah. What, what Dixon, Dixon says, uh, not Dixon, I'm sorry, um, Willoughby says to him, or, or you know, in, in the letter, the goodbye uh-huh. letter, which is you're a good man, you just have a temper, you just got to, you know, focus your thoughts on doing good and thinking about the right things because I, I – have truly have faith, and that's the you know basically the person that you are, and I think that wakes him up obviously, but among other things because you know he gets fired and all these other things, but uh, um, I think that's why the Willoughby character is the most interesting in the movie because he seems to have I don't know if, if we had some some person that you know, really dissected films that for a living or this specific film and wrote, you know, run it. They, they would find something in the Willoughby character related to biblical things or some other thing, you know, some, some big thing because he, he just seems to be the, the, he sees the good in people, even when they're bad. Well, and, and he that's is why the... he treats, treats, treats Mildred nice. You know, even though she's acting unreasonable. But anyway, continue, Mike. Well, he is the one who he is the, the the reason that Dixon changes. And you you heard the letter that he wrote him. It seemed like there was an awful lot of horseshit in there. <laughs> uh, um, I don't know. I, I don't think but he has. He, he says, you know, you want to be a detective, and I think you could be a good detective, and I think. I don't and, think and he, he has. Kinda, he he kind of showed he was the second half of the film. I felt uh, he wasn't a police officer. But anyway, well, he 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 eavesdropped on somebody. I don't know if that necessarily made him a great detective, and he had a good idea. But I still think it, I don't know that he had the the wherewithal to uh, to really be successful in that field. Regardless, um, the but, fact but that that's, he's a, that's how a lot of the b- biggest cases are broken, like the B yeah. BKM or what a BKL or whatever the heck that's murderer was you know they he find torture kill yeah BTK, yeah they would have never found him but he screwed up you know so oh there's, there's absolutely the, the lucky break thing but there's but that's the, the the detectives aren't there to be the guys that get the lucky break they're there for, to be they're there for the times you don't get that lucky break regardless sure. it's the fact that it's the fact that willoughby showed faith in him and told him he could be a better person that we meet his mom, and I think it's significant that we meet his mom, right? Because it gives us an understanding of where he is coming from. Right. Um, his background. Yeah. Right. For, and by the way, if anyone watches it, it's always Sonny. Charlie's mom plays uh, plays his mom. So you get an idea yeah, of the kind of character he's dealing with. Um, and sometimes that really is a thing where people just need to have someone – to have a little faith in them and to tell them that they can be someone other than what they think they are. The father figure. Oh, whatever figure could be a father figure, could be a friend, could be a Mentor. mother. At least in this, in this case, uh, it seems like some sort of father figure, but that's fair, Mike. It could be anything. Yep. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, and again, so I think that's a good part of it. And I don't know, and I think even Woody Harrelson's character is on a tipping point. 
until you get to a particular point in the film. And his what character... What do you mean, tipping point? Obviously, anybody that's in his stressful situation due to um, his illness are, are going are gonna to be... Well, his illness, his job, and then and then this crazy lady starts accusing him of not giving a shit about you know this crime that happened on his watch. Um, but you know he brings her in, and he's trying to get her to bring those billboards for, down. Clarification for, for clarification, brings her in as in not arrest, just to talk. But okay. yeah, it, yeah, but you know. They're well, still cops. Yeah. yeah. Basically, yeah. That's, that's the point of where we get. Will be, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, he might be the best person in the movie. Um, Absolutely. Because he's, he's, he's genuine and everything. Uh, but this is like the closest we get to see for, for a quote unquote bad hack from him is that he, he kind of threatens her because something happened. Uh, that somebody wants to press charges on her for. And he he basically threatens to tie her up in court indefinitely with this, so she has to spend all her money on that and won't be able to keep the billboards up. Um, but then yeah, yeah, he happened. makes an excellent point. Oh, go ahead, sorry. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, and then, but then something happens, and he abandons that whole plan and just tells Dixon to let her go. And that happens, why? Yeah. Because somebody shows him some yeah. kindness mm-hmm. when they had no reason to. Right. Right. Exactly. And that, um, and that and, is and a thing big is that, part of this film. Yeah. Now, she, she is, you know, tries to talk about her, um, the dentist that she attacks. Rightfully so. Maybe yeah. overboard. But, but I might call that self-defense. Yeah, fair enough. So she goes... Well, it's my word versus his word. And then he makes a point, which is, well, when you had your uh, divorce, it was your word against your, your ex-husband's word. Hmm. Yeah, and, and, she, and that was the threat. It was like, oh, okay, all right, I see what you're doing there. But, again, he, just like her, is trying to get something, which is keep his dignity, which he thinks is being unfairly destroyed by her. Mm-hmm. Because again, he has a point, which is, I did everything I could. I, I did. I, I interviewed everybody. I sent the DNA to the FBI. Uh, we, we have no cameras that showed the crime. We have no nothing. The body was burned. So there's no nothing there. No no hairs. No nothing. You know, and there's nothing he can do. And he obviously leaves the case open because he's hoping something or someone would come forward. But obviously she's upset because she feels that nothing's being done. And so his quote unquote pushing her to be, you know, being a dink himself is in some ways legitimate, I feel. But you, you do have a fair point, Eric, which is if, if we do point up one thing that he does that could be considered a little more gray than white. It would be that. But again, yeah, yeah. I think there's a reason for that. Well, I'm not saying he wasn't motivated. I'm, I'm just saying he did. He did it. <laughs> yeah, that is true. He sure did. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's just throw up the spoiler uh, because then we can just talk about anything and everything. 
and then we don't have to yep. worry about dancing around stuff. Um, so spoilers up, and we'll talk about anything and everything. Um, so it's up. Anyway, so all right, so let's just start. What do we want to talk about now? Um, I uh, well, I I just want to say one of more one of the more potent moments in the movie for me um, is when they were having a flashback. Um, oh yes, to the last interaction that Mildred had with her daughter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they get into this big fight about borrowing the car, uh, and and even though her mom said she'll pay for a cab, her daughter's all pissed off that she can't, uh, that she can't borrow the car. She's like, I'll just walk, and I hope I get raped on the way. And her mom yells after, I hope you get raped too. And the door slams, and that's the last thing she ever said to her daughter, who ends up that night getting raped and murdered. Um, and that, well, right. especially so the first the time I saw it, that, that that just hit me like a sledgehammer. Because holy shit, she has to carry that around for the rest of her life. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. It, right. Right. Even even though none of it was meant, and her daughter was being a dink. Mm-hmm. She was being a dink too, because she could have just let her borrow the car, but she made a point because she knows what teenagers do mm-hmm. at that age. They go out and they smoke dope and they drink a lot of booze and right. they shouldn't be in a vehicle. So she says, yeah, we'll get the cap. And the daughter's just pissed and, and the daughter says some bad words. And so to be mean back, she says, well, I hope you are raped in as you just said you wanted to be. And of course, no one meant any of it. And yet, yeah, that, you, you still carry that because it's ironically oddly came true. Hmm. Yeah, the um, the family is shown, and I'm guessing a lot of it comes from the mom uh, of having a very sharp elbows with when when uh, talking to each other mm-hmm. and and arguing with each other, and even just as as joking with each other and you know like they just there was the line from it was the son right where uh yeah where where the daughter says why can't you be on my side and he says i am when you're not a cunt uh-huh. and both mom and the daughter you know like, react to that and mom says there, you know, there will be there will be no more cunts in this house and he goes what are you moving out yes <laughs> That was sense. <laughs> and because of the way she, she doesn't like you're grounded, go to your room. This is apparently typical behavior in this household. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this is not to say that it's an overtly abusive relationship. This is just how they deal with each other. They have a very wickedly yeah, yeah. sharp yeah. sense of humor. Tongue of of. Of putting yeah, of yeah. of being insulting to each other, and and now you could argue is that healthy? Is that good or whatever? We that that's not the issue here. That's just who they are. So, right. Well, well it happens again later scene. too, the, uh, when Robbie says to his, oh, yeah, the, "You you old cunt," and she goes, "Robbie, I'm not old." <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. This yeah. is not yeah, a, so this so is not it, a warm fuzzy family. It shows that it's regular humor. It it shows that it, it's it's just interesting humor um, right. between the sibling, I mean the daughter, the son, and and the mother. Um, and and you so, have to spend you know, time with them yeah. to really pick that up because, like, imagine like yeah, 
you were the son's friend and you went over like after school for the first time. I, I imagine you could walk out of there thinking like that's something really fucking weird going on with this family. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But then you realize that they, they assuming they, that, they, that that was assuming that that was done in, in, in right. public in front of other people. Which, which well, well, given I, the way she behaves that. in public, it doesn't really it wouldn't shock me if it was. <laughs> right. That's true. That's true. Um, so it was interesting when the dad showed up. Because, um, well, first of all, I I like, I think I pinpointed it to like I always wanted that actor to be someone else, and I think today I pinpointed it as Hugh Jackman. <laughs> oh right, it's John Hugh Jackman, but he's not. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but when he pops in and we see that one that one moment where, even though they're already divorced, um, he like ends up strangling Mildred and the son comes over and puts a knife to his neck and is like, holy shit, this right. family is dysfunctional capital D. Yes. Um, and then, then Nelope comes in and has to use the restroom. Um, yeah. There was some good uh, comic relief in this movie, and, and, too. And I do like the... Uh, Again, all these characters show greater depth than we're first exposed to. Mm-hmm. And, and Penelope is played, you know, that bathroom scene being a good example, as being a bit of a ditz. Mm-hmm. And right. uh, at some point, the husband says, uh, says to um, says to Francis Gorman, Dorman, uh, that Penelope said, so what is it, like, Hatred begets hatred or something like that. Right. She said, she said begets. <laughs> yes, he did. Right. So then she runs into them at dinner. And she says, did you really yeah, say begets? And she said, yeah, I read it in a book I'm reading. It's a book about. No, po- no she said, it, she no, said well, it wasn't it was a book. It was a book mark. It was on a book mark. Right. It was a book I'm reading. Uh, well, it was on the bookmark, but it was a book on, it was a book on polio or is it or polo, polo, which is the one with the horses. <laughs> right. And what I love about you that, know, and if you it was about the, the, the champagne bottle to his head, but then she decides not to after this conversation. Uh, well, I just love it because everyone else has been shown to be more than what they first appear. And she is exactly what she seems on first. <laughs> right. <laughs> and well, she knew it was like, important. She knew it was important, but it's almost like they said, okay, we're going to set the audience up to think this is going to be a big character moment for her. No, she's an idiot. Which is <laughs> 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 the one with the horses. Oh, <laughs> uh, that was, that was, yeah, I, that was a line that just cracked me up. Um, Yeah, it was a, okay. Anyway, so it was a small role, but it was a good role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and those are pretty much the only two scenes that uh, she's in, actually. Right. Um, now, um, actually, the, the scene I think that shocked me the most in, the, in this movie, to be honest, was when Willoughby and his wife leave the two girls. <laughs> at the at the river and they go off to have sex and it's like 
it, I, I'm, I'm the type of parent that don't taking notes. Two, I, I'm the type of parent that don't use the two front burners of my, my stove when <laughs> my girls are home because I'm just worried that they'll touch it and they'll die. Or when they're on the stairs, I'm always running over to make sure. So for him to not worry about the two girls near the the, the river, that is not me. I would be like in panic mode. So <laughs> that disturbed me more than anything else in the, in the whole movie. Well, he um, does tell him not to get off the blanket. That's true, but I still wouldn't trust my daughters. <laughs> Maybe his daughters are more well behaved. I don't know. <laughs> How old were they? Do you think were they the same age as your daughters? Were they older? Yeah, or they're, they're, older. Pre- they're pretty close, six to eight or, or four and six when the film came out. So yeah, it's about the same. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, so they 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 were pretty close to my daughter's age when, when the movie came out. Yeah. Hmm. But but anyway, that that, uh, that was just a side note. Um. So what happens is, is that Willoughby has some sort of cancer. We don't know what type. And pancreatic. Did you say oh, pancreatic? Oof, that's disgusting. Um, and he uh, decides to do a Red Farnsworth or Emmer, uh, Ernest Hemingway, which is rather than succumb to the cancer and be bedridden and die that way, like I've seen many people in my family, um, he decides to blow his brains out. Um, and he, so he writes a lot of letters to one to Francis McDormand's character, Mildred, one to his wife, obviously, and one to um, Dixon. And and then, yeah, he, he kills himself. Um, so it was a shocking scene, very sad scene, and the moral center of the film is now taken out of the film about halfway through. Um, but I just kept thinking the fucker lied to his daughter because <laughs> he said, I don't know if you're going to go to school tomorrow. We'll have to ask mom in the morning. Well, you know what? You're going to commit suicide. You know, you're going to do it pretty damn sure. You know, mom's going to keep the kids home that day. <laughs> that is true. That is just true. Saying. Um, <laughs> all the time. Like, yeah. Well, anyway. Yeah. It's, uh, and that is again, a big catalyst for what comes because it's his letter that affects uh, Dixon, uh, his letter, um, you know, well, his act goes a long way to helping uh, Francis McDormand because, well, it's not the letter so much as the, uh, the you know, he can mitch the, the money the, that, the that, he, that, that he paid yeah. to keep the billboards up for another month, which was a, which was a nice uh, reveal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it was him. Little fat little Hispanic kid, that little Mexican kid. <laughs> That's right, but Penelope says that. Not yeah. Penelope, Pamela. Pamela. It's like, I don't know. Uh, so. Um, and, and, and you know what? He, he makes an argument. I, I, I'm not going to agree with it uh, one way or another. I'm not going to say whether he's right or wrong. But he should be able to understand why he does what he does when he does it. Um, and he and he lays it out very clearly why he does it and why he doesn't do it. You know what what's not the reason for it. And you all know, and he says it that people aren't going to care. Mm-hmm. They're all going to just assume that this is the reason why. Mm-hmm. Um, that it was over these over these billboards. Yeah, yeah, right, 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 right. Even though the wife a little bit kind of blames. Uh, Mildred, but 
I, I'm pretty sure she knows the real reason why he he killed himself, and it wasn't because Mildred put it up the billboards. It was more. No, it was he, specifically he explained it in his letter. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But she was still pissed at Mildred. Well, oh, and, and understandably. And let's yeah. look. And um, if somebody put up three billboards disparaging your spouse, you would also be upset. Yes. And then the spouse killed especially himself. Especially when, when it's it's. Especially when it's it's most certainly arguable that the billboards were unfair. Yeah. I'm, uh, unfair in the sense of blaming Willoughby. I don't think that's unfair. Well, you're right. The buck stops with Willoughby. But I, if I'm the wife, I, I would be pissed at the No, wife that's what I'm saying. I, I get why she's pissed. Yeah. Anybody would be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I will say, I do appreciate. I I did appreciate that they didn't give us the suicide warning in this at the beginning of the film. Um, you know, usually right. That yeah, that that came out of nowhere. Yeah, it came out of nowhere. I I just whenever I watch something now, there is a suicide or suicide related, um, like a suicide attempt. I guess what I would say, uh, in the story on the special on TV shows, they will they will kind of tell you it's coming ahead of time and understand the reason why uh and obviously the issue with suicide is uh a the 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 most important issue but as a viewer i kind of hate that they're telling me that that's coming because then you're looking right. for well, it this this type of suicide was different than the the depression suicide right again this is because of like ernest Hemingway or red farnsworth where they know what happens, what cancer can do to you and the agony and pain and whatnot that happens and they didn't want to go through it versus say why they usually put that warning up, Mike, is because of of people who they feel are depressed and, and the the showrunners or movie do not want people to think it's a good thing. That well there's that. It's also it's a, an issue that you know, somebody may be dealing with because they may have just had somebody that they lost through suicide. There's all sorts of reasons why they do that. So I'm not saying I don't understand it. And I, I, I'm just saying for me, very selfish reason that I appreciated that it wasn't there. Um, because that kind of, yeah. well, oh, basically, sure. until he takes it, it's a movie versus a it, TV it, show. Right. But if when he takes TV out the, if it's a movie, you're not going to get it. Right. When he takes out the, the hood, I kind of knew what was going on. Uh, even if I wasn't sure it was a hood, you know, just see that overhead angle. I was kind of expecting him to try to strangle himself, you know, hang himself from the rafters or something, or, you know, sit on the horse and have the horse right out from under him, uh, which is not what he does. He just blows his brain out. Um, which is probably, probably the, 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 I guess least painful. I, I don't know. I, I have no idea. I don't know. I've never shot myself. I would think, I would think it, I would think it would be immediate, right? Once, you, once your brain Hopefully, is gone. Unless you suck at it. If you, if you did it right, yeah. yeah uh, there's right. there's all sorts of research. Yeah, probably. But you never know. But, uh, right. yeah, so that was, uh, that was a thing. Yeah, yeah, that, that was a pretty, pretty uh, important and intense moment into the, in the film and pretty much sends the the second half of the film into uh, what goes on. That's the reason why Dixon flips out and beats up Caleb. Uh, or what, 
Oh, not Caleb. That's the actor's name. Uh, whatever the, Red. the character's Red. name is. Uh, Red. Thank you. Uh, that's the reason why he goes over and beats the hell out of Red. Because he has a breakdown because his boss and good friend and father figure or whatever you want to call it uh, is dead. Um, that's what has... Uh, I don't know what it really does for Mildred, but it, but I think it makes her... I think it finally gets her to believe, understand that, yeah, it's not... Willoughby's fault that the case is dry um, and that Willoughby really did um, try um, and it, it gets Dixon fired because he flipped out and that's when Dixon turns into the new man I guess especially when he gets burnt but I do appreciate the uh, and, but speak of a baptism by fire uh, now that was actually the first thing I thought of when I was watching. It I was like scribbled down baptism by fire. That here's because he's running out, saving the the police file on the case. Right, right. Um, you know, and a baptism is a symbol of rebirth and renewal and and rededication. And I think you know that's clearly what he's going through there. And the fire is kind of his penance for the sins that he's done in the past. Well. Uh, and- that Whatever their motivation. Scene is just and, and he accepts it. Yes. Uh, that whole scene is great yeah, because, because he he's, he's reading the letter from Willoughby alone in the police station, and uh, it was set up earlier. Headphones on. You know, uh, okay. I, I, I said I, he had headphones on too. Yeah, yeah, and that was set up earlier in the movie. Uh, when, it, when the news was first reported that Willoughby had committed suicide, he was in the station with the headphones on, grooving to the music, and you can see behind him that everybody's distraught. Um, and eventually he, he notices what's going on and takes off the headphones and says, what's going on? Uh, then we get the same thing when he's reading Willoughby's letter. He's got his back to the front of the police station. And even though it is not right to firebomb a police station, um, Mildred does call twice to the police station to see if anybody answers the phone because she doesn't want to do it if anybody's there. But Dixon's in there with his headphones on, doesn't hear the phone ringing, and he's got his back to the front of the police station reading Willoughby's letter. And then as it gets to the end of the letter, that's when she starts throwing her Molotov cocktails at the police station. Um, and eventually, uh, one of them blows uh, explosively through the glass, and that's when he realizes what's going on. And at that moment, I don't even think he... Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't even think he saves Willoughby's letter. Uh, no. He just grabs the case, the the rape murder case of Angela, and tucks it underneath his clothing and dives out of the, the fire into the street uh, where he's burned severely. And Mildred's horrified because she, she didn't want to hurt a person. She just wanted to send a message. Um, but she did end up seriously injuring, uh, Dixon. And then you, then she sees, um, that he deliberately saved the file of her daughter's murder. And that's when we get a whole bunch of conflicting feelings about who's good and who's not. Right. And, uh, while yeah, firebombing is never the answer, it is not a good thing to do. It is kind of cool, though. I mean, it looks pretty. Oh, it looks very pretty. 
Um, yeah, and then you know we should also toss in because Peter Dinklage's character comes in here, and I was surprised. Oh, right. This was two thousand and seventeen. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Game of Thrones was already huge from Game of Thrones. Was, was huge, right? So and it is a. Uh, I'm not, and this is not a, 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 a play on words here. It's a, it's a small role. He has a very small role in this film. Uh, and, and it's, it's odd that they went for him to get this role. Um, I can understand why he would take it mm-hmm. given the way the character is written and portrayed. And if you know anything about the actor, uh, you know, that you have a very flawed, uh, Little person in this film who's treated as a real person, mm. uh, and he basically uses covers for her firebombing the police station to get a date with her. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> I also you thought got, it was great. He delivered one of my right. favorite lines of the movie when like, he's helping her uh, with the billboards, and, uh, oh, and yeah. she, she looks down and says, "You know, this this ladder is pretty stable. I don't think you need to hold." the ladder for me. <laughs> he says, oh, it's okay. I like holding ladders. That's true. It takes me out of myself. <laughs> um, also, th- th- there's, a, there's a line that his, his, um, his height is, is used because during the, the um, bringing in Mildred for attacking the dentist, he, go, she, he goes, I don't really care about fat dentists or midgets. Or, or he says that to to Dixon when Dixon was trying to talk. He goes, "I don't care about fat midgets and de- uh, fat mm-hmm. dentists and midgets. I just care about the billboards." So I, I think um, they wanted someone um, with with, with uh, some something to, to, so that he could have a line like that. I think. Also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I appreciate. I, I, I also love the line um, just because it, it just is such a weird moment uh, where he's having dinner with her and. He's looking at the menu and he just says, I like cheesy things. <laughs> I'm going to, I think I'm going to look oh, for like cheesy, cheesy things. things. <laughs> just like, oh, it's so, oh so out there. Um, but it's funny. It, it is legitimately funny. And what is a legitimately awkward moment because we know she's there just for payback. Mm-hmm. She's, yeah. Blackmail basically. Yeah. Well, um, and, and that subject comes up later when uh, it gets awkward because her ex shows up with with Penelope, and then um, she oh, says dead. something about about we'll do it another day, uh, and then about how he he forced her into having this dinner with him, and and he and he goes off on her. He goes, I asked you on a date. Um, and he goes, and and how is it that you're ashamed to be seen with me when you're the one setting fire to the fucking police station? You know? <laughs> you're not you're not exactly a catch yourself. Um, and then he storms out and on his way out. He turns around and says, "I didn't have to hold the ladder for you." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Peter Dinklage. Yeah, that's the last awesome. time we see his character too. So he, they never, never resolve it. They, they're, they're, uh, yeah, they never resolve uh, that relationship. Yeah. No. Oh, where she says, and she says, like when she accepts the date, but I'm not going to have sex with you. And she says, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to fuck you either. <laughs> she says, I'm not going to fuck you. And he goes, 
well, I'm not going to fuck you either. I guess. (laughs) 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 Terrible. Uh, But again, so he's a movie when they're out playing pool. uh, And she comes in and uh, that's when the priest is at the house, but she doesn't know. And she comes around the corner and says, I think that midget's trying to get in my pants. (laughs) Oh, hello, father. That's, 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 by the way, that's what we would refer to as uh, Chekhov's midget fucking. Uh, (laughs) Oh, I also love the speech she gave to the priest. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, I mean, that that whole scene was really a throwaway scene because it, it really didn't have anything to really to do with the, the film but but it was it was a it was a great funny funny scene i mean i will watch her deliver that speech repeatedly that was it was sweet yeah uh, yeah it was it was it was great uh culpable culpable, culpable yes that's the word. <laughs> <laughs> you joined the gang yep that's right. culpable <laughs> and, and then the time after she she walks out after her speech she goes so how, how's your date, father? <laughs> no, he goes. Thanks for stopping by, anyway. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's funny. Now, um, maybe we should probably uh, get into Dixon um, and his his story. Mm-hmm. Um, what 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 he does? So he's fired. Um, he has the case. Rightfully so. Then, by the way. Oh, just oh, yeah. a fucking yeah. ginger. <laughs> right. He gets sure. upset. He goes. But, but he did punch. He did punch Pamela too. He did punch Pamela in the head. Yeah. Which, which well, I think throwing a guy out the window is the more severe offense. Oh, by the way, that can we just say that was a great shot because we follow Sam Rockwell across oh, yeah. his, across the street. Oh, right. And by the way, yeah. I think that's a great shot at the beginning of the film. Uh, where she walks into the ad station to buy the billboards or rent the billboards, uh, and the police station is directly behind her. Now that obviously sets up stuff for later in the film, mm-hmm. but it just shows her the like literally has, doesn't have protective glass. Okay, but I'm just saying it shows her literally like turning her back on the cops and going across the street and taking the matters in her own hands while the cops are just kind of sitting off on the side and Mm -hmm. doing nothing. So I thought that was a brilliant setup. But you watch Sam Rockwell cross the street, go up a flight of stairs, all in one shot, Mm -hmm. break the window, grab Red, throw him out the window, which he throws, lands on an awning. Switch switch him with the, yeah, switch him with the, the, um, the, uh, the stunt double, because the stunt double then falls hard on the street. We don't see him fall, land on the street. We just see him roll off the roof. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're right. Yeah. And yeah, then he, yeah, and then we follow yeah, him yeah, back yeah. down the stairs, stops to meet Pam, goes out on the street, and there's Red in the street already. And uh, beats him up some more. And beats him up some more in front of traffic. Yeah. That so was... it's yeah, what a terrific uh, shot they did that on that. Yeah, I read that that was all one all one shot, and they did five takes, uh, and the one they ended up using was number four. Yeah, and if you know movie trickery, when you see really long shots, you can see where they cut in, like yeah, there's a cut. Do, yeah, when they go through a door or something. Yeah, go through a door behind a pole. Someone walks in front of the camera. All these things to hide and edit. And I, look, I I've only seen it once, but I I didn't spot that. 
So no, I, I, I'm like I said, I read that it was all one. Yeah. Take. So it was, it's and but they didn't even like leave themselves the a place to hide it. And oh, the music was great scene in particular too. was how methodical Dixon was, even though he's clearly snapped at that point uh, and is and is running on rage. Um, he's still incredibly methodic as he crosses the street, pulls out his baton, smashes out the front window of the door of the entrance to the building, puts his baton away, starts readying his gun as he's walking up the stairs, goes up to red, smashes his face in with a gun, takes out his baton again, smashes out the window, puts the baton away, throws him out the window, and then on the way back out, punches Pamela in the face because she's screaming at him, and <laughs> goes back down and beats the crap out of red some more. Because, like, even though he's clearly unhinged <laughs> at this point, he's still just doing everything incredibly deliberately, and I liked it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was a, a great scene, um, and it pretty much is the downfall of him at the police department. Um, we forgot to mention that that while all this is happening, the new replacement for Willoughby is, is basically standing in front of the police station watching it. You're right, and we don't know that, and then you just get that subtle flash of the badge. Flash, right, just as he as he walks back in the police station, you just see him put his hand to his hip. As he puts his hand to his hip, he pushes his jacket back, and you see the badge on his hip. Yep. And uh, by the way, the, the police chief is being is played by uh, Clark Peters. Uh, I think, you know, uh, well, we, uh, was highly regarded for his role in The Wire. Um, and he's been in a bunch of other things, too. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, just, he, he's one of those guys that seems like uh, born to play a cop. He was also um, the guy in the uh, the Continental in I think it was the first John Wick. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. wait, the guy behind the desk? That was true. No, that's no, uh, that, that who is another that character from. Okay, the, I was going to say no, that's a different the guy. That gets killed. The guy that gets killed. The guy yeah. that was supposed to watch the, the girl and she gets. Killed. Oh, yes. okay, got it. Yeah, the, yeah, the one up in um, the room. Anyway, yeah. Anyway, anyway, back to the film. Uh, so Cedric, who doesn't like. Um, Dixon um, is kind of his go-between. Dixon's go-between uh, after he gets fired, which is was kind of funny um, because they didn't like each other when Dixon was hired. Um, but you can tell that Cedric really didn't hate Dixon. He just was glad that he was gone as a cop because mm-hmm. he was kind of screwing it up for everybody else. Well, and he really stepped in with the with the new idea. Even he, even if he hadn't just yeah beat the living shit out of a random civilian in front of him, he still might have gotten fired anyway for the way he was sassing off to the new guy. That's that's the real reason he got fired. But yeah, he was going to probably get be fired anyway for what he did to Red. Um. So. Well, let's let's get into Dixon's story. So Dixon um, gets burnt because he was in the, the fire, you know, the fire from the Molotov cocktails. He ends up in the hospital, oddly in the same room as Red. So that hospital screwed up. And yeah, you think they would Red check those things? Yeah, I get. Yeah, and then well, Red couldn't identify. The hospital him. don't know what the hell's going on outside. Yeah. 
that's true. And so the uh, the red, see, doesn't know who it is because he's all bandaged up from from first degree burns or whatever. And he's very kind to him. And then he finds out it's Dixon, but he still uh, helps him anyway by giving him orange juice and, and whatnot. Um, and I think that also makes Dixon become a better person because he doesn't deserve any forgiveness for what he did to Red, but Red mm-hmm. still treats him as a human being. Right. Um, and as we find out later, he knew damn well, Dixon, that is, that it was Mildred who, who set the police department on fire. <laughs> right. And he didn't care, but he didn't, he didn't, he didn't tattletale well, on Who else would it be? <laughs> yeah. That was, yeah, that was so great when, when she finally fusses up and that's his reaction. <laughs> she's like, I right. did. And then her, her smirk. And and he's her just smirk. like, well, who else would it be? <laughs> right. And her smirk isn't a smirk like, ha ha. It was a smirk like, you're pretty smart, Dixon. <laughs> Thank mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Um, so he decides that his goal now in life even though his mother's trying to get him to go back into the police force is to focus on the crime about, um, Mildred's daughter, Angela's murder and rape. Real um, quick before we go there, Phil, uh, another yeah, sure. one, of my, one, another one of my favorite lines in this movie. And it's just the delivery, uh, was, uh, Dixon's mom. She, she's got a, a pretty small role in this movie as well. But, uh, <laughs> I decided today it's one of my favorite line deliveries of all time is when I think it's when he's uh, off to go oh, to the girl station to uh, to read the letter. Um, and she's just like, where are you off to? You're going to see a you got a fancy girl you're going to see. And he goes, no, I don't got no fancy girl. And she just goes, yeah, I know. <laughs> that was awesome. Well, you did. I mean, you notice his pet, by the way, right? The turtle. Yeah, I mean, that's a how perfect a pet is that for him? <laughs> you know, the, the 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 just because it's slow, but you know, the that's just the tortoise and the hare, right? You know, mm-hmm. the it, it's mm-hmm. slow and steady. Eventually, wins the race. Uh, even though I guess he doesn't actually win the race in the end. Meaning that he okay. doesn't. Well, in other words, right. So, in other words, he, he's the guy that we think is going to crack the case, mm-hmm. you know, and and yeah. unfortunately doesn't. Spoiler warning. Um, no, but just that one line delivery. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> it's classic. It was awesome. It was classic. <sighs> um. So. So yeah, yeah. So it looks like he's gonna. Um, break the case um and it's pretty awesome um but it isn't and how he does it is he overhears some horrible people talking about some doing some horrible things and this horrible person had already threatened marge i mean not marge mildred marge is is her character from fargo i think um but uh, mildred um, and says um, that you know he didn't rape his, her daughter, but but he would have gladly done it or something. And so he's still in town, this guy, and he's talking about a rape. And Rockwell hears it, and our Dixon hears it, and pretends he's drunk 
so he can get in a fight with this guy. And he scrapes the guy's cheek so he can basically get uh, DNA. DNA under his fingernail. And he lets the guy just beat him up. Um, but as long as he had the, the DNA. And he brings it to um, Abercrombie, uh, the Clock Peters character. And so they, they send it off to the FBI or whatever. And it comes back negative. It's not the same DNA as the the man that killed and raped Angela. Um, and it most likely occurred in uh, Afghanistan or Iraq, where they this guy raped or murdered. <laughs> um, can, can you narrow it down for me, Josh? He, he was right. he was he was he was, was on a mission and it was sand. out of the country. It was classified. Can you narrow it down? It's a <laughs> lot of sand. I, it, <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> and he's still like so, looking at him, like, huh? Right. So um, he asked, and he had already gone to uh, Mildred to tell him that he thinks he found the guy, and they're going to do the DNA work on it. And then he has to call her up and tell her that is not the case because he was out. And she goes, how do you know? He goes, the DNA didn't work. Yeah, but how do you know? Because he wasn't in the country when it happened, when Angela was attacked. So, but he says, however, this guy did a bad thing to another girl. And he says he lives in Montana. And she says, well, I'm going to go to Montana. And he, and he asked, well, is it all right if, if you have someone to come with you? And they say, she says, sure. So the two of them head to Montana. Idaho. And this is, oh, you're right, Idaho. It's one, it's one of those countries, states up there. <laughs> so, uh, so Idaho. And he, um, so they don't know what they're going to do when they get there and because they know where the guy lives. But they're going. And that's pretty much how the film ends. And, and also the, is where she says, I was one that, you know, burnt you. And he goes, who else would have done it? Yeah. So the question is, and this is the reason why I felt it was like the movie From the Bedroom, which uh, starred Spissy, Spacek, and Tom Wilkerson. Um, and since you guys don't, haven't seen that one, I, I won't I go into details. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. where they want vengeance on something that was done. And the question is, is it right or wrong? Right. And that's what this film, I think, has this interesting ending because they're going to do possibly vengeance. And as you said, Mark, well, I it's, think, it's, yeah, the initial plan was to go kill this guy. Right. Because he heard him talking about doing a horrific act, uh, pretty much the same thing that happened to Mildred's daughter. Um, and then called her up and told her about it and where he lives. And they agreed to go up there together. But then the last lines of the movie are, I, I'm not so sure about killing this guy. Well, how about you? And Mildred says, yeah, I mean, either maybe we can talk about it on the way. Right. And that just sets it up for them to, um, well, change their mind. Uh, and perhaps just instead of going to murder somebody, they'll actually become friends. Right, and and also maybe report him, put, put the bad guy to the police up there instead of killing him. Nah, I would think. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't know what good that's going to do because we don't have a crime. 
Firebomb, firebomb. So what, what, what do you think? Okay, so they're going to be friends. There's no doubt. They're going to be really good friends, the two of them. But what's the point of going to Montana otherwise? Quality they're, already, they're, they're already gassed up. They're packed. They're yeah, ready to go. I mean, not much. I keep on saying Montana. I say Idaho. So, well, they do have some good, good uh, um, microbreweries up in Idaho. So maybe that's <laughs> what they're going to do. You know? Potatoes. They have potato, good potatoes up there, too. You're right. Mm-hmm. They have some good restaurants. They sure do. Um, um, so, yeah, yeah. Was it Idaho or Iowa? It, no, it was Idaho. I thought it was, it was Idaho. It, Idaho. It was not okay. Iowa. Believe me, okay. I wouldn't know if it was Iowa. It was. I thought it was Montana, but they would be running for president. Montana, then, it, then it was Idaho. Okay, yeah, because that is a hell of a ride. Uh, no, no I, uh, I, I, I just, uh, it's just, uh, I would, I would have known it's Iowa. That's all. I, I prefer not to talk about it. But um, it was not Iowa. So, yeah. So they're heading, heading up there. That's how it ends. But again, we 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 can still talk about other scenes. I just wanted to bring all that up because mm-hmm. we were doing Dixon's Dixon story. Um, so by this point, Dixon, I I think personally, is even though he's he's done bad things, he as as you say, Mike, people can change. Um, and by this point in the film, he's a different human being than he he was in the beginning of the film. And he's trying. Yeah, I think even. It says that, right? He says, mm-hmm. doesn't he say I'm trying? I think he says that. Yeah. And I think he, I think he's successfully trying, actually. He's on the way. I mean, it's only been, it's only been a little while. <laughs> we'll see if he can maintain. <laughs> but yeah, so true. far, but, so far, know, so good. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he, he got fired. He's now disfigured on the side of his face because of the firebomb. He, he um, well, chicks take friend. So, oh, I'm not talking about whether he's going to get laid. I'm, I'm talking about <laughs> his mental health. Um, so he's had a lot of things happen to him that may shatter him. Again, we we've seen a lot of people who have terrible things or, or important things happen to them, and they're they change for a week and mm-hmm. then they go back to what they were before. Mm-hmm. So it's always possible, but based off of the screenplay and the point, I, and since it's fiction and not real life, I'm, I'm thinking he is changed permanently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but you're going on. Well, I mean, he's the fact that he can't go back to being a, a cop. Uh, which is going to make it harder to fall into old habits, right? Because he's no longer going to have the legal authority to beat the shit out of people. Yeah. So, yeah, I I seriously doubt that he is going to go back to being what he was. And the fact that he's going to be friends with her from now on, there seems to be, probably will help keep him straight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's fair. Well, he's got to move out from his mom's place, seriously. Or he just ignores her her bulliness because they think he wants. No, to he's got to get he's got to get away. Oh, and I well, I did want to point out by the way he's um, if you notice he's reading comics, uh, and he wears a uh, I think when they're in the bar he's wearing a comic book t shirt. Sure, uh, bad guy. What's that? 
something. A sure sign of a bad guy. He said. <laughs> right. So, but the the comic is uh, is irredeemable, uh, which is by uh, Mark Wade and Peter Krause, which I just looked up. It's a story about a super villain who is forced to become a superhero. What? How's that's that the com- I don't know. I haven't that's read it. That's awesome, actually. Mm. But that's right. So even that's there, that's a that's obviously intentional. Yeah. That's why they chose it. I know I had to look it up because it didn't click with me uh, as something I'd heard of before. So I was wondering if it was like a generic, like faux comic book, you know, like uh-huh. you know faux brands that they put in films. No, so that's that was clearly a foreshadowing. Uh, intent, it was very intentional that here's a guy who wasn't a good guy who kind of learns how to become one. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the interesting thing about this this film is even though it's somewhat Mildred's story, it really isn't. It's more of an ensemble cast, I feel. Yeah. Oh yeah. And so it's a story of many people. And well, so and, yeah. And basically, when when you get down to it, it's just basically we're all just trying to get, get along, <laughs> right? I was just trying to make it through life at the end of the day. That's true. It's absolutely true. Yeah. One of the interesting things about this movie for me is that it is, there's some dark material in this movie, man. The whole basis of the movie is a, a rape murder where the victim was set on fire. Um, and then it's about Mildred's uh, trying to get kind of a revenge on the cops. And then we have a suicide from somebody who's suffering from cancer. And then we have somebody get thrown out of a window and we get the police station firebombed. Uh, and then we get Mildred and Dixon playing to murder this guy. And somehow throughout all of that, the, this the movie has an incredible amount of humor. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's why it's so great is because this would be a lot to take without the humor. Uh, and somehow they managed to weave the humor in in a way that doesn't feel unnatural uh, and yet provides you with the release that you need from all the heavy shit going on in the movie. It's called yeah. good filmmaking. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, and good good script writing, and which uh-huh. both the filmmaker and the script writer are the same person. So he, he had a he, – he was adapting his own story, so he knew exactly what and where those humor moments would go without having to, I guess, guess or add them, mm-hmm. you know, after the fact. Yeah, and by the way, I sh- – just to point out, right, the film is very loosely inspired by a true story. Um, meaning that I think there really was somebody rented out billboards and for a situation similar to this. Yeah, that's and what the I, director said. And then I don't think it has anything else to do with it other than that. It was just, oh, there's an idea for a story. Yeah. And then they ran with it. So, you know, so if you're wondering you know, about all the rest. Was there really a police chief with cancer and a corrupt cop who beat up a person of color who was in the person of color torturing business? All of that was, was pretty of much invented. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, 
God. Another great moment I can remember was after the dentist incident, uh, where she she goes to the oh, Mildred goes to the God. dentist, and clearly the dentist is a fan of Willoughby and is not happy about the billboards, uh, and basically says with, with without even looking in her mouth, "Yeah, we're gonna have to pull the tooth out." Uh, well, because it's like, wiggling. She's like, it's wiggling. Well, uh, yeah, and then, and then he's like, all right, let's take it out. She's like, whoa, 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 can I get some Novocaine? Uh, and so he gives her some Novocaine, and he goes, all right, we'll wait a few minutes for that to kick in. And then after, like, 20 seconds, he's like, all right, let's go. And he starts going at her with the drill, saying something about Willoughby and the billboards. And she grabs the drill and and basically uh, puts the drill into his thumbnail. Um, and by the way, I mean, if anyone hasn't gotten dental work in a while, um, when they when they give you the Novocaine, they usually numb that area first with a swab. Yes. Yeah, and he yeah. just sticks the needle right in her gum. So I was already thinking, uh, uh, so she, she gets she gets out of there and uh, she goes to work and Willoughby tracks her down at work. It's like, did you go to the dentist this morning? She's like, no, I didn't. <laughs> her, her face is all numbed up for the Novocaine. And he keeps on asking her questions and she keeps on talking with his droopy lip. And he keeps on going, what, what did you say? I didn't understand you. Uh, I wonder. <laughs> Another great line was was when when she says, "Why do you keep that guy around?" And, and he goes, "Well, well, if I fired all the bigot cops, I have only three left, and well, they'd still hate the homosexuals." Like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so what are you gonna do? And then he goes, "That's what he says." He goes, so "What are you gonna do?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Uh, that was great. Yeah, there's some damn good lines in this film. It's hilarious. It, it, that's the thing. It, it's not a funny film, but it's a hilarious film, if that makes any sense. It, it's got great moments of humor, uh, for, for sure. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> it sure does. Sure does. Oh. Yeah. Uh, oh, even even the, the little stuff that wasn't really humorous is humorous, like, like when he's explaining to uh, Willoughby's explaining to his daughters, what's why is Mama sick? Well, it's called a Chardonnay. <laughs> you know, it's just something like that. It's said, and you see it, you just start laughing. It's funny because the kids don't know what he's talking about. You know, or oh, when Mildred goes to the police station to confront Dixon about arresting her friend, the shop owner. Oh yeah, <laughs> she just walks yeah, in and goes, "Hey, fuckhead!" And Dixon goes, "What?" And then the says, don't say what, Dixon, when she comes in calling you a fuckhead. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, that was Cedric that says that. <sighs> that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that was <a> great. <laughs> yeah, and, and then Dixon's pretending he's, he's like all intellectual. Inspired. Why don't you just sit down right here, Mildred, and we'll talk it over. <laughs> <laughs> And, and he's about to snap, but he but he holds it back. It's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great. It's great. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm just reading quotes here on the IMDb page. Another weird was when she goes to rent the billboards initially. It's like, 
Oh, yeah. Well, you can and can't say on a billboard. I assume it's you can't say anything defamatory and you can't say fuck, piss, or cunt. Is that right? <laughs> Red goes, uh, or anus? <laughs> <laughs> Wherever that came from, I know. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Best film ever. Best film ever. <laughs> I use that a little too much, but. You've been good lately. You've been good lately. The year we we watched was the best film ever. Yeah, I've I've been a little more relaxed, I guess. (laughs) It's the edible. Well, I was pretty bad when we did Fat Man. That that was the last one that I I was going nuts. (laughs) Yeah. True. true. Oh, here's a little thing I noticed. That's um, that I thought was a nice little touch was uh, when Sam Rockwell's at the bar uh, and he steps out to have a cigarette. Yeah. You see him flinch when he flinches when he lights oh, the lighter. Oh, the fire. Yeah. It's called I thought that was, Yeah, I thought that was a great touch. It was. Um, that is good screenwriting, yeah. Little things like that. Yeah. And that's where he sees the Idaho license plate. Indeed. And that's the really reason, the reason why he went outside, I think. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Mildred with the bunny slippers. Yeah, I'm going to crucify the motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> well, then those motherfuckers better look out. <laughs> oh, that was right. right. Yeah, well, then it was the heartwarming one, too, when she sees the deer. That was sad. Yeah. That was, yeah. Yeah. You, you're not going to try to make me think about reincarnation, are you? Because <laughs> <laughs> right. that's like right where my brain went. It was like, oh god, someone's going to. Who's the reincarnated spirit of her daughter? I was like, ah, <laughs> gag. Right. Well, that was good that they called it out because if they didn't call it out, people would think, oh, that's a cheesy moment. Yeah. That's what they're trying to imply and blah blah blah. But she calls it right out and 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 says that it's not true and. And at least it's like, okay, good. But they get the point across what they were trying to do without making it cheesy. So uh, one thing we haven't ma- – sorry. No, I was just going to say we forgot to talk about one reveal, uh, which is that the reason that Mildred firebombs the fire station uh, is that somebody sets her billboards on fire. And she assumes it's Dixon. Right. Right. Uh, so right. she Wait, firebombs the – the uh, the police station as a as a form of revenge, and it turns out it was not Dixon; it was her ex husband, her dumbass abusive ex husband. Yeah, with the ditzy girlfriend. Yeah. Indeed, that's right. Oh yeah, she says says a great line to him too. She goes, she goes. Uh, one way you deal with with our daughter's death is is, is that you date teenage uh, or twenty year olds. And, and then he says something back, which is, uh, I forget what he says, but he says a good shot back. Oh, oh he goes, at least I know it. <laughs> oh, it's not, he says, yeah, it's, that's, yeah, it's not going to bring her, but it's not going to bring her back. It's not going to bring her, you know, uh, get what he wants, get, you know, get, get her back or bring her uh, killers to justice. He says, but yeah, at least I know that. Right. Where, so he's basically calling her delusional. Yeah, right. It was a good shot. Um, uh, you were saying thing, something, Mike, that you want to. Yeah, one thing here. we haven't mentioned, uh, which I kept meaning to do, is, is they do use the color red a lot in this. Um, they do. Mm-hmm. And, I saw that too, uh, especially just, with Dixon. 
Well, with Dixon, like the guy, the billboard guy, when he comes, you know, he when he comes yeah. back to her later, is wearing a red shirt. Um, it, it is like you know, it's yeah, because it's the well, billboards. And then, are, and then when he when he leaves to uh, his mom's house, the whole room is lit, lit and red, and she's passed out, and he puts his hand on her head. And that was a, that one was an interesting moment I felt too, and I, I didn't know what that meant. But anyway, continue about the red, you know, the billboard. Well, I'm just saying it, it's it's clearly symbolic. Um, yeah, I'm guessing of, sure the, why. of the crime of the the of the tragedy. Uh, Taylor Swift's favorite color is red. Uh, okay, well I don't think that I had to throw my Taylor Swift reference in there. Sorry, anyway, you didn't continue. have to. That was an, right. that was yeah. that was a you you chose to. But anyhow, um, so I thought that was a nice touch. Uh, you know, it's oh the blank the blanket the girls are on when he leaves them at the the river is red. The little oh. girls, yeah, watching it right now. I just see it. Yeah, I'm watching it, I'm watching it for the forty seventh time right now in the background. Um, not exaggerating. No, no I'm not. Um, <laughs> yeah, th- so the red is is there. I don't know what it's supposed to symbolize, though. It'll be curious. But it's intentional. And then, like I said, there's the red light in Dixon's house when he basically is saying goodbye to his mom for the trip to Idaho. Mm-hmm. It's, it's red like like unreal red. It's like, why would there be a red light unless they're pretending that it's coming from the TV? Um, so I don't know what that meant. Um, oh, and it wasn't the bar scene a lot red too when, when, when he gets beaten up by the rapist. I think that was a lot of red in there too. Hmm. Well, red is often used to, to symbolize anger. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if that's what's going on here. Anger, danger, crime, mm-hmm. blood, blood. Yeah. Taylor Swift. Menstruation. What? Oh my God! What's going on? Just well, see, things, things that go her, color red. Apples. Albums. That's true. Yep, yep. It means uh, uh, temptation. Yeah. Alert. Yeah, alert. Yeah, it means stop. Stop sign. Yeah. <laughs> it's the best album Rudolph. ever by any musician. Red by Taylor Swift. Um, what else? <sighs> Rudolph. Yep, yeah, Rudolph. That's a good one. So, um, I think we're running out of things to talk about now. We 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 hit we we got him. We got Frozen Taylor Swift. Dude, dude, I think I'm looking at it right now. I'm I'm doing. I'm watching it right now. Is when he, she sees the deer, and she's planting all red flowers. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and they show it prominently too. It's an interesting shot where they are under the billboard and the bucket. Uh, the wheelbarrow bucket that she has, all the flowers are all red, and mm-hmm. it's over the and, and it's yeah. So it's yeah. So I would uh, yeah. I don't know what it means, but uh, if any listeners, you must what you thought the red symbolized. Um, but yeah, yeah. Maybe we are um, finishing up. Uh, anything else that anybody wanted to bring up? No, I'm good. I, I was uh, I was glad to get to revisit this movie. It's a good one. Oh, oh! Look at this. Uh, red is wearing a red shirt with red hair in the scene 
when he ends up with red blood coming out of his red face. Yeah. Well, that just goes to show ginger wearing red has like no taste whatsoever. <laughs> it's such a bad color combination. Yeah. Anyway, um, anything about you, Mike? Anything more do you have? No, I think we're tapped. We got to this Taylor Swift reference. Yeah, that's true. I think I think we're done. All right. All right, I think we're done, yeah. So uh, um, we could probably start wrapping up, giving our final thoughts on this film here. But before we do, uh, Eric, do you actually do another podcast with your buddy Dan, who just liked on Facebook my latest picture of uh, me working out. Excellent. Uh, yeah, Dan had to repaint his gym this weekend, so we weren't able to record. Uh, but I do a general interest podcast with him called the Ascancy Podcast. That's spelled A S K A N C I T Y. You can find it wherever you got this one. Oh, look, Pam- Pamela's skirt is red in this scene too. Interesting. A lot of oh red. God. Anyway, um, uh, very good. Um, now, Mike. Um, uh, me, you, Sean Fox, and Barrett Heisner are doing a new podcast? That's the rumor, and that podcast would, I think, be the aforementioned uh, Cortana's Communiques, which is about the new Halo series on Paramount+. Plus. We've already recorded about the first episode. That will drop sometime in the next six months, and then next week we'll be recording the second episode, and then week later the third episode and i think you can figure out the pattern from there <laughs> hey yeah, quick actually, question, actually it quick was question released, about this you, you, you named this it, quick question about the podcast you named it cortana's communiques now i am familiar with the uh microsoft assistant on windows called cortana was that originally from halo yes interesting yes. i did not know that yes because Clippy didn't work out so well. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I no, think Clippy it's still did called not work Cortana, out well. isn't it? Isn't it still called Cortana? For yeah, Microsoft? it still yeah. is. I, every time I get a new computer, I have to turn it off. Yep. Yeah. There you go. Um, very good. And uh, Eric, me, you, and Mike, and, and uh, Barrett uh, do another podcast? The, the, the original podcast? What's that all about? Oh, the original podcast is Dark Discussions, what the network is named after, uh, where we discuss... Uh, horror, film, fiction, and all that's fantastic. Indeed. Or sometimes uh, crappy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've had a few few bad ones. Um, also, uh, the Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews podcast, which uh, is a podcast that is the catch-all for anything else. Uh, usually screeners and maybe some book reviews, interviews, and things of that nature, um, which is similar to um, dark discussions in the sense that it reviews, critiques, and whatever, but uh, lesser-known properties, or sometimes mainstream stuff. It depends what we decide to talk about. Anyway, that's pretty much uh, it. Uh, Again, we're at darkdiscussions.com and www.darkdiscussions.com is the actual website. You can email us at darkdiscussions at AOL.com, and you can also email us by going to darkdiscussions.com and pressing the Contact Us link on the menu. Uh, now, uh, let's get into our final thoughts on this film here, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, which is, by the way, a fictional town. Uh, Mike, why don't you start? Yeah, it is a uh, it is a really good film. It is some great character work, um, great acting and great writing on, on that front. Um, it is not uh, 
a crime thriller. It is not an investigative story. If you go into it, that you'll just be crushingly disappointed. Uh, but I think it's just a, a spectacular film uh, on on those grounds alone. And I think the uh, the Oscars were well earned. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, yeah, for me, yeah, this is a fantastic film. Uh, I love this film. It's absolutely phenomenal. Everything about it is great. It's easily, uh, like, a lot of award-winning films will be the one that everybody remembers, even if it didn't win um, some of the highest prestigious uh, awards. One Best Actress. That's, um, a, that's a prestigious award. Yeah, but... Uh, I'm talking about um, Best Picture and Best Director and Best Screenplay and all those things, which it should have won, in my opinion. Again, this is my opinion, Mike. I'm not saying you're wrong. Um, but um, the film is uh, uh, definitely worth checking out. It was a film that I actually tried to get as a Dark Discussions podcast episode with Eric, but Eric said, well, it's more of a drama. I go, yeah, yeah, but but there's a murder, thrillers, stuff. No, no, it's a drama. So, and I'm still uh, right about that. Yeah, indeed, it's, indeed. It's, it's almost like we should have a separate podcast for those kind of movies. <laughs> yeah. Don't open the bag. Just, uh, and then I, I missed it. Yeah, just get the boys. Yeah, just get the boys. Yeah, sure. What? The, the girls. Um, no, I watched the scene where he just. Oh, 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 okay. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I, I recommend, um, I love this film. It's, it's probably one of my favorite films of all time, never mind uh, in the past, you know, a couple of decades or even this past decade. Um, so uh, worth checking out again, though. Yeah. As Mike mentioned, it's uh, expectations. It's more of a drama and um, a people film than a thrower or a crime procedure or anything like that. Even if that is the catalyst uh, for the film. Uh, so yeah, I recommend uh, Eric. Uh, yeah, I also love this movie. Um, can't really add much to what's been said. All aspects of this film um, are great. And if you are into dramas, uh, you should definitely check this one out. It's a uh, classic, I feel. Indeed, classic. Excellent, excellent word. Um, yeah, I'm feeling terrible right now because it's, you feel bad for the little girls that lose their father because of can't present. Well, and that's why anyway, the, the, the suicide in that um, case was yeah. was awful because he just deprived his daughters of his their father for however many extra days they would have gotten. That's a fair point, Mike. Absolutely. Um, I'm also worried about the, the horses too because the wife doesn't like the horses. And so, wrap this up? The horses. all right. So let's wrap this up here. So uh, once again, uh, the film's called uh, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Uh, all three of us enjoyed this film tremendously, uh, and Eric kind of sums it up perfectly with the word classic. Um, the film is available wherever movies are found. Uh, there is some extras if you do buy it, uh, whether it's VOD or disc. Um, the film did win numerous awards in various, um, uh, uh, I guess, award ceremonies. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, check it out. And I think that's pretty much it. So uh, with all that stated, Eric, why don't you leave this on? All right. Thanks, Jim. Let's talk about three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Uh, come back next time, whenever that might be. We will have another topic, whatever that might be. <laughs> See you then.